0: Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome listeners to the Identity Matters podcast. A lot of people uh, ask from time to time, what does that really mean? You know, identity is one of those words that are thrown around like a lot of words. I do research once in a while to find out how often the word identity is used on the internet. It's a lot. It seems to be a very popular thing to talk about in the world of psychology, or should I say psychobabble. It's very popular in the world of addictions. One has to switch their identity from drugs to a higher power in order to be delivered. And it kind of goes on and on. Here's what we're talking about, just as a reminder for our regular listeners, and that is identity matters because the identity that God the Father gave to His Son, I don't know if you know this about Hebrew or not, but the woman has nothing to do with naming her children. The names come from the Father. And it's not always just one name. And another common thing that we find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is God will rename you. Sometimes it's an add-on. Jacob, from this day forward I shall call you Israel. And so it was kind of like his middle name. That is where we get the idea of middle names. There is a, an assignment, a word, an adjective given to you to describe destiny, calling, purpose. I have no clue, Mom, why you named me Ray. I asked her, and she said, I don't know. We just like kind of came up with it, and it means a spark of sunshine. So it may have some meaning to the Lord, but I will tell you that I did get renamed, which gave me a personal identity, not just the identity of Christ. A personal identity on a retreat one time, and God stops me in my tracks and says, I mean, on my face, weeping before the Lord, and the Lord says, I am going to rename you. This is all recorded in my journal. In fact, it's the title of my journal. Stephen the Redeemed. So my personal identity as a human like Jack the Journey. journey's his middle name. It's describing a calling. He is going to fulfill this journey that God puts him on. Stephen the Redeemed, my whole life, my whole message that God has given me is going to be about redemption. So studying everything around redemption becomes very important to me. You have an identity that is put inside Jesus Christ by the names, 225 names assigned to the Son of God. You have to pull all 225 together in order to get the fullness of the identity of Jesus Christ. God the Father has 43 primary Hebrew names. Out of those 43, there are 23 that are critical in knowing who God is. Happy Father's Day. This is a critical piece for us understanding that everything starts with God the Father. He extracts out of his own names 225 mental names for Jesus. You see, Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the redeemer. Jesus, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Then our society, our millennial society today comes up with this creative idea and that is smashing everything about Jesus into one simple second name called love. Sorry society, you are missing out. That's only one of them. So... Personal identity describes your calling. If you're afraid to ask God to rename you, you might want to back up on that one because he's been wanting to rename you since the day of your salvation. He is committed to give you a new name that you will be called that name for eternity. When I am called on by God, as I was in worship tonight, I heard Stephen, the redeemed, and then he spoke. He never fails to call me by my identity as a person that is grafted into his life. My mother used to call me Stephen. I'm very fond of the name, actually. I am far more fond of that than Steve, or steve or Stevie, or as the clerk said to me this past week, Stefan. So, knowing who you are, as a bridal member, you think bridal members don't have names? Are you kidding me? We don't drop our identity name just because we get married to Jesus Christ. So, you see, Stephen the Redeemed, my guesstimate is, maybe he'll keep the two of them as I go on through eternity, or maybe he'll drop the earthly one. I don't know. But I do know when he calls me. He has my attention instantly because when the middle name is spoken to me it stops me in my tracks how oh, identity is very important and it does matter because god gave his full identity to jesus christ christ gave his full identity to the holy spirit and the holy spirit was put inside each of us upon the moment of salvation and all the fullness of god's names jesus christ's names becomes alive in us on the moment we get saved. And then he has the, the, throws the blessing upon us, say, I'm going to give you a personal identity. Now, out of the Stephen the redeemed, I have to ask the Lord, well, how does that work itself out? And the Lord says, you are my prophet. Well, what does that mean? Because prophecy is not the same today that it was in the Old Testament. He's not adding anything new to any of the prophets. I, I hate to break your bubble, a lot of you charismatic prophet types, but he's not giving you new stuff. The Bible's done. It's finished. It's complete. So what's a modern prophet do? They're loud and ugly. And they present the truth in the raw core fashion in which it was given. They don't salt and pepper it so it's tasty when you eat it. It is raw. It's like eating raw fish. Is that a good example? I don't like raw fish. So that's our little catch-up point when it comes to how important identity is and seriously how identity matters. Before we move on any further, I want to recommend our book, and I need to do this kind of in advance because I'm going to need your help to promote this thing. How many here have read the book Faithful Father, the Bride of Christ? Okay, two people. It came out in 2013. It was written in 2006 by way of a Bible study that we did at whatever church in Phoenix. And from that Bible study, it kind of birthed its way into writing, taking those workbook stuff, putting it into a book form. And the the secret, one of those best kept secret kind of thing, the secret is that the Faithful Father's book is the most popular book for those who have read it. It is 17 chapters of explaining Hebrew and Greek in the role of the Father, the role of the Bride of Christ. So as most of you know, I've been working on this book on the side for millennials Refuting a new kind of Christianity. And so, obviously, just gathering data, throwing it into the document, and just, you know, writing the emails, and just, it's kind of how we form, you know, material. And the Lord stops me and shows me, when we made our shift, that we got to deal with this issue of the millennial generation despising father figures. And the Lord told me to go back to what I've already given you. Well, it was this book. So I started grabbing little pieces out of that. That is what Guy Penrod responded to. Is a piece from that. And many, many others this past week. And I, and I began to realize this is a real culture issue with the church today. And that is understanding, embracing, and releasing the role of God the Father. I'm going to put it to you in the same words it was put to me by someone recently. Within five years, we are going to have a complete bastardized society. Now, I even jerked a little bit when I heard that. Think of that. Generation Z is going to be a full-on generation of bastards. Someone tell me what a bastard is. It's not a swear word. Fatherless child. I thought, okay, well, I get that. But what about all the millennial families that have fairly engaging fathers? They don't want their children. Go Google it yourself. The most common problem in family life that the millennials are having is that they don't like children. They were supposed to get 1.2 children in America and they're ending up with three Four, fourteen—I don't know—but they don't like children because they're just too busy. Just a minute! I said, just a minute. Go, go get something to eat. And that generation you have not seen yet. I see it in my uh, my mind's eye. God's showing this to me. We're going to have a full-on bastardized generation. Tell me, Stephen, how bastard children act. Write it down. And that's when I realized the reason why this has not become a popular book sales for at least our little ministry as is proof in this room that no one has read this but my wife and daughter happens to be my eldest daughter's favorite book is because it wasn't time. So I spent a week rewriting the book. It's going to be submitted to the publisher very soon. Press release is out and we're going to bring it back out as the refute against a new kind of Christianity. It's all right here. I didn't have to write a whole whole new deal. That is the thing that the millennial generation cannot deal with, and that is the Father. Happy Father's Day to you, millennial fathers. I doubt you're doing your job. And those of you who are, You millennial fathers, you don't like that label? Well, God gives a lot of labels. If you haven't read the scriptures, you probably should because God's into labels. Because labels get people's attention. Then He gives you a label, a brand new one. He throws your old label away and He gives you a brand new label. Child of God. Bride of Christ. And then the personal labels even. You ever called your child a pet name? See, usually what happens with a pet name is that there is a substance that is associated with the pet name pumpkin. is a classic example. Sweetie Pie et cetera, et cetera. Typically to the one who's assigning the, the, the pet name, it is something that they love. I like pie. I like pumpkin pie. I, you know, that's typically how it gets started. There is no difference with God the Father. Now, I know that I know that God loves redemption. I know that I know that's everything Jack the Journey is about. As we listen to more and more episodes, you're going to find out exactly how focused he is on redemption. That's kind of like Sweetie Pie from the Heavenly Father. I hear redemption and I'm like... Oh. We we try to separate God like he's not intimate, like he's, he's not a real Abba, which means what in the early Arabic? What? Yeah, it means Dada. It's not even Daddy. It's not even formed into a logical language yet as Dada. It's the earliest expression of Father. Millennials, listen carefully. Jesus referred to his Father on Father's Day. That was every day. He referred to his Father as Abba, Father. It's in songs, it's in books, it's in hymnals, it's everywhere need to understand something. Abba is Dada, child. Father is authority. Abba, Dada, authority. Those of you who are caught up in this love, love God, this love, love Jesus, this love, love Holy Spirit, I feel bad for you. That's just a piece of it. I'm not denying it. Abba is love love to his father. Father is yes, sir, not thy will my will be done, but thy will be done, Father. Dear Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. I don't know if you used to pray that because you're kinda grew up saying it before the worship songs. But I'm here to tell you it's specific in Jesus locking in his sonship and the fatherhood before he, it could be given to him as the son. I know when I have a true spiritual son. I know when I can give them my life. Guys that come along and say, let me hold that stick up for you, I go, no. I don't let guys help me quickly. Because if I start leaning on their service and they're gone, I have damaged the ministry. That is exactly how Jesus was. You think that Jesus used Peter and Matthew and all those guys right off the get-go? Are you kidding? He did not assign them spiritual responsibilities. They were as dead as their sandals. They were not indwelt. See, this all comes together as one message. And those millennials that are listening, and you're bastardizing your children because they're going to become 18, 25, 35 years of age, and they're not going to know who God the Father is. They probably won't even be able to go da-da to him. Let alone call him the father of the universe. Got a quick little reality check for you. There is no such thing as God of the universe. The universe is in a box. Darwin was right about that. His little black box theory was pretty straightforward. God's not in a box. He's not the God of the universe. Although we use that term, He is the God of all. And when we get to our new heaven and earth, we're going to discover there are no walls with God. Have you ever asked yourself why the universe is black, is dark? That is the black box. And when God takes this earth and he throws it into outer darkness, it's going to stay in the constraints of darkness. But on the outside of that dark box, I can assure you that the new heaven and earth is endless light. There is no darkness. The universe will be in a box. 602-292-2982. There's also a booklet Small book, actually, that you can download from our website called Historic Creation, written by Dr. Joseph Cazell and myself. It is based on what I just told you. The lies that come with Christian creationism. God is a God of light. It's one of his names. There is no darkness where God dwells. Darkness is the symbol of Satan. So we need to keep things in perspective. Identity is a whole lot more than saying, I know who I am in Jesus. We're on number 160, believe it or not. 160 in the Identity Matter series. This is part A. So if you haven't noticed in the podcast, we split up our messages. And they're right around 20 to 30 minutes now making it as easy as we can. So within that, we've been doing this series on the millennial generation, which will take us the rest of the year. So each of the messages build upon the other one, so I would really encourage you to listen to the past episodes on the millennials. The title tonight is The Heavenly Father versus the Spiritual Father. The scripture that we had read to us earlier tonight, it's Romans 13:1 through 4 one of the most least preached passages of all of Paul's writings. In fact, if you ask fellow believers about this concept, they probably look at you like, you're crazy, that doesn't exist in the Bible, because it is opposite of the United States of America, and other countries who enjoy protesting. What does it say? What's, what's the basic message? Submit to all governing authorities because why? God's ordained them and who established them? Hitler? Napoleon? God! You Abba! Is it possible that the destruction that we're seeing in societies and countries and churches and homes are because people are dishonoring authority and you're keeping your promise. Not only will he say yes to that because he already did, I'm here to tell you that is what he's going to use and will continue to use to usher in the Antichrist. The Antichrist is pushing for one thing right now. Listen to your news. Peace, peace, but there is no peace. How can a guy come into a baseball game, take out his gun, and mow down a bunch of Republicans, conservative Republicans? It's easy. He's dishonoring the existing authority. Those of you who are Trump haters, let me let you in on something. The condemnation from the living God is at your door. The whole time that there was a president for two terms that I did not care for that much, I held in my heart a respect for his office. And I happen to be excited that a lot of his stuff is being overturned because it does support my beliefs in Christ. But you see, it's If you're going to get your guns and go to a baseball game and mowing down these conservatives, you're a man filled with hate. There's no love in you. You have no clue what love is. That's what this is talking about. All authority that exists is established by God. He who opposes such authorities opposes Abba the Father. And you will reap consequences. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. But I have a deep love for him. You see, it isn't about your policies. It is about authority. Jesus being able to have an intimate relationship with God, calling them Dada, Abba, while he looks at God as the ruler of all. You put the two of those together, and you have a very powerful leader. We do not have that in our society today. It does not exist. There are people who are listening right now, I can promise you this before the living God. There are people listening right now with hatred, in their hearts and minds towards me as a speaker. And to that I say, at 602-292-2982, send me your hate mail. I love it. You know, I probably should stop saying that because I'm not getting a lot of hate mail anymore. I love it because Jesus said, He who hates you. I've got this in a plaque on my desk. He who hates you, Stephen, and he used my name, hates me. Now, that puts a lot of calm in my soul. It really does. If I'm being hated on the account of Jesus and the strength and qualities and truth of Jesus, then what you do under the least of these, my brethren, you're doing under who? Jesus. Jesus. So relax, rejected ones. I think this might be a clue that you're in good position with Christ. These people aren't. That is Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 or 1 through 6. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.